Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you all today, this Sunday, July 25, 2021. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for today, for the week, for the month. Because you are God, you know everything. But for your grace, this world has been destroyed 10 million times over. But you continue to uphold the world with your hands. You continue to sustain it. You continue to keep your children, Lord, preserved in the midst of anomaly, in the midst of wickedness, in the midst of spiritual attacks from wicked places. Father, you are God. And we pray this day that all who hear will know that you are God. Not just God that sits up there, but God that is everywhere. Who knows all the thoughts and intents of everyone, angels included. We welcome you, dear Holy Spirit. Take these words as you give them, Lord, to your people. And may it achieve everything you have purposed for it from the foundation of the world. May it break yokes. May it free the captives. May it deliver, Lord. May it heal. That those in need may meet at their points of need. Above all, may they all put these words in their hearts as they march on, as they walk this walk, as they run this race to eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I thank you all for watching. Especially those of you who have been very faithful watching and sharing the messages. For a time like this, these messages need to go out. That many who think they are standing may not have fallen, but they may rise up. That's our prayer and wish in Jesus' name. The instrumental is taken again from our brother Caleb Brassi. And we continue to bless him and say, Lord, continue to bless his home and his family. Contending for the Gospel of Christ series. We're continuing today. We have done six. Today we're on the seventh topic we introduced. Jeremiah contended for God's word. God is looking for those who believe his word and study his word and act on his word and live in accordance with his word. Today's topic, Jeremiah contended for God's word. The outline, the introduction, Jeremiah, prophet of God. Two, apostasy in Judah. Three, parallels between apostasy in Judah and the 21st century church. And five, as you and me contend for the gospel, things we need to know. The introduction. When the kingdom of Israel divided after the death of Solomon, when his son foolishly made some statements, but again, God had already determined it was going to be so. Ten tribes formed the northern kingdom with its capital in Samaria, while two other tribes, Judah and Benjamin, remember there were 12 tribes in Israel, formed the southern kingdom with Jerusalem as their capital after the death of Solomon. The northern kingdom, which is still also referred to now as Israel, was carried away into exile in 722 BC by the Assyrians. Before their captivity, God had raised prophets like Hosea, Micah, or Micah, Isaiah, to warn the northern kingdom, that's the one Israel, to repent from its apostasy and to return to him. The southern kingdom, which also is called Judah, didn't learn from what happened to their fellow Israelites after 722 BC. 
Judah continued to sin against God. Number two, Jeremiah, prophet of God. If you have been preaching and contending for the gospel of Christ and have been facing persecution, you are not alone. There are so many before you, and there will be many after you if the Lord tarries. So we're going to look at an Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah, who contended for the word of God and was persecuted throughout his life. So many false prophets in his time fought against him, and he never gave up. The words he spoke under the guidance of the Holy Spirit still reverberate. We chose Jeremiah because one believers in Christ to see an example of what a true servant of God is, taken from the Old Testament. Same thing. A true servant of God never sighs away. That is never he never stops. Declaring God's words. He never stops preaching the gospel. She's not afraid. She's always preaching the gospel and contending for it. You don't just preach and then when people say rubbish, you just say, okay, no problem. Shall we now read a little about this? Jeremiah was the son of Hilkah, a priest in Anathoth of the land of Benjamin. He prophesied between 627 to about 580 BC. Between 605 to 586 BC, he declared God's judgment as Babylon threatened Judah. He prophesied in both Jerusalem and Egypt after Judah's downfall. Praise the Lord. I just gave you a little background of the period we are talking about. Now, first scripture, please. I read from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Praise the Lord. The same thing can be said about you and I today, those who have believed and are contending for the gospel. Before you and I were formed in our womb, God is saying he knew us. And before he separated us to himself, he said he knew us. And he has ordained us, the believers in Christ, are the prophet to the nations. He has ordained us to be the prophet to the nations. We are supposed to be the Jeremiah's of the 21st century. I want you to know a few things before we continue. God is God. Say that to yourself always. He is all-knowing. He knows the past, the present, even the future. He knows everything, including what is in your heart at this moment, and my heart. Nobody in the heavens, on earth, beneath the earth, can deceive God. He knows even before you make the plans. That's why he said he knew Jeremiah. And he knew those of us who have repented and are contending for the gospel of Christ. He knew we would be faithful. Jeremiah suffered so much in the hands of the religious and political establishment of his day. Even from his own family, his kinsmen. Why? Because he was uncompromising in carrying out God's commands. When you're uncompromising in declaring the total counsel of God and live in accordance with that declaration, you will be persecuted, period. Jeremiah feared disobeying God more than he feared his persecutors. And if you are not fearing God today more than the world you dance with, you got a problem. God knew Jeremiah would remain faithful to the end. That's why I said, I knew you. His declaration was complete. God raised Jeremiah 
to confront apostasy in Judah. The same way he raised you and I today to confront apostasy in the churches. He raised him to be a witness to what he would do if Judah failed to repent. And I want you to see Judah as the church of God on earth today that has fallen away. If you don't do that, you will not get where we are going. And after the fall of Judah, you will expect the man that could warning them not to sin. God asked him still to go into exile with the people who were going to Egypt. With the disobedient people. Why didn't God say, well, Jeremiah, you've tried. Why don't you just rest somewhere and give you... No. God wanted someone he trusted to report on the continued disobedience of those in exile in Egypt. Why did God do that? God wanted Jeremiah to tell future generations of his children the consequences of disobedience and to warn them never to repeat the apostasy of Judah, which is what has gone now in the whole Christian, whatever the name is. We have the same situation. Picture Judah before its destruction and the world, but that's the church of God in the world. The world is bound to be destroyed, but what about the church of Christ? It will be destroyed, but not many who name the name of Christ will what? Inherit eternal life. Just as many in Judah who say, well, they, well we're, we're children of God, we're Israelites, we're Judahites. What happened? They perished. There are too many bread and butter Christians. Or what I call bread and margarine Christian. Margarine. Because some people may not understand butter. So we say margarine in Africa. Especially in the poorest countries of the world. I would like those watching this broadcast. Or listening to the podcast. To answer this question honestly. You need to answer this question honestly. Please, this is very important. If there's nothing else you take away from the, today's teaching, this is where we are. This is the crux of the matter. What was your reason? For accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. A foundation must be right. If foundation is wrong, then it's wrong. Did you take a look at yourself? And concluded that your life was empty. And in that emptiness, did you come to realize that only God will give you that which your soul yearns? That only God will feel that void. That only God will feel that emptiness. And that's the only way is through Christ, his son, at the cross. Next question. If you did have an emptiness and came crying on the cross, whether you are closet, in a building called church, in somebody's home, it doesn't matter. The next question I would ask would be, did you understand the meaning when you said you gave your life to Christ? Did you understand that by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were surrendering everything you own? Everything, including your life. That you are actually surrendering all? I'm not sure they make this clear to people that give their lives to Christ. They did it when I gave my life to Christ. So that's how I know. And I see many things, even times where I made a call someplace else. We never really got into this. But today we're talking to you if you're a mature believer. And if you're an unbeliever who wants to know the Lord, please know the cost. Now when you say, I, Jesus is now my personal Lord and Savior. I'm giving my life to Christ. It means you're surrendering all. Not 10%. <laughs> Not your property even. You are surrendering your life, your work, your talk. Everything is that belongs to him. Because that's the only way he will come to live in you, to guide you. I want you to, this is very crucial. If you didn't understand, even as I didn't understand in my time. Let's continue. On the other hand, if you didn't come to Christ for the reasons we just mentioned, 
nor understood that you are forfeiting everything, including your life to Jesus. Next question would be, what was your reason for accepting Christ as Lord and Savior? Was it because you wanted healing? You wanted children? You wanted a spouse? You wanted wealth? You wanted promotion? You wanted protection? Just whatever it is, but not what we just said before. If that is how you say you are born again, I don't think you are born again. That's why you are unable to comprehend the things of God. That's why you have difficulty reading the Bible. You don't take joy in reading the Bible. There's nothing. It doesn't nothing. There's nothing except no. That's why you are easily deceived. That's why you love all those worldly prosperity messages. So whenever you hear them preaching about prosperity and health, how to get healed, you're wrong. They say fast and pray for 100 days. Mm. Whatever they ask you to do, mm. say they land and bring it, we'll make it double. Mm. You do. Whatever they tell you, you do. But the simple thing you could have done, you didn't do. You are seeking for the giver. To give you things, but you do not love the giver. And the giver knows because he's God, he's all knowing. He knows your hypocrisy. He knew my hypocrisy when it happened. He knows. So today, I'm bringing this to you. He said, I know you. So he knows if your repentance was genuine or not. If you truly have surrendered. If he asks you to go to the Sahara Desert today to minister, he knows whether you will go or not. Or whether you are reason for becoming a pastor is so they can give you one of these big churches somewhere so you can be collecting tithes and offerings. He knows. You can't deceive him. He is God. He is God. <laughs> Please remember that God knows exactly what is in the hearts of those. Who come out and set his son as Lord and Savior? He knows. Let's stop the deceit. Because you can't deceive God. I can't deceive God. Next scripture, please. I read from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 to 10. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Praise the Lord. That scripture says it all. He's telling you and I, he knows everything. So those who truly surrender their lives to Christ, they have no difficulty dying to self. They have no difficulty cutting the umbilical cord, linking them with the world. They have no difficulty because they know what it means to surrender their lives to Christ. But those who accepted Christ as Lord and Savior with their mouths, but not their hearts, they did not mean it. So they, that's why they can't give up their selfish desires. They don't understand what it is to die to self. It does, that concept doesn't, they can't understand what it means. And like I said previously, God knew what was in their hearts. Even as they were making that selfish commitment and they'll come out, oh, I'm not born again. No, they were not born again, no. And if you're hearing my voice or watching this broadcast today, kindly repent. There's nothing wrong. You've just been told not the truth. Surrender your life to Christ in your room, wherever you are. Because if you don't, you'll remain a bread and butter Christian or a Mandarin Christian all believing Christians and they will not inherit eternal life because only those who accept Christ as Lord and Savior because they were seeking God are the ones that are true children of God they are the ones that will inherit eternal life they are the ones God says I know you I knew you even before you were conceived they are the ones this preaching and teaching today is meant for to challenge them to rise up like Jeremiah 
apostasy in Judah. When you hear the scriptures we read, liken it to where you attend your church today or building called churches. <coughs> liken it to the situation of the church community in your area and the ministries. Liken them, there is no difference. We're not, if we have to espouse on it, to expose it on it, it's going to take us six months. Judah like Israel before it. Remember, the northern kingdom had gone into exile. So you expect that when Judah saw what had happened, they would say, wow, we don't want this to happen. Judah was serving foreign gods too. God used Jeremiah to tell the people, that's the people of Judah, what their leaders were doing, that they were deceiving them. He also used Jeremiah to foretell the destruction of Jerusalem, because a true prophet has to also foretell, because God will tell him some things for the future. Jeremiah foretold also the Babylonian conquest. In fact, in one place he told, today they'll call him a saboteur. He told people not to bother resisting the Babylonians, because God has already given the city to Nebuchadnezzar. Yes! He told people, don't bother. When they come to carry you, follow them. Because if you don't, they will kill you. Of course, his countrymen hated him so much that they even imprisoned him. He also foretold the Babylonian captivity. Because God, he's a servant of God. And God was telling him the things that will come to pass. Scripture, please. I read from Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6 to 10. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every great tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, After she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And I tried to trust Sister Judah saw it. And then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Praise the Lord. We've already summarized it. I will encourage you to read the whole book of Jeremiah. Who were responsible for Judah's backsliding? They were the priests, the teachers, the Levites, the rulers, the prophets. In your title to be your pastors, your Jews, your bishops, your every titled person in the church. Those are the ones who are responsible for the backsliding in the church of God. Exactly the same. So let's see. What are they doing? Let's take your please. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 8. The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handled the Lord did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Praise the Lord. I wish I could go into details here. But just watch it. The rulers... He's not talking about what the rulers now because this was a theocracy. He's talking about the rulers in your church churches. They won't simple call churches, but they're building called churches. He's talking about the, the prophets. He's talking about the pastors. He's talking about the teachers. He's talking about all of them. They have transgressed against God. And those who say they are prophesying are prophesying by what? Baal. Anybody who speaks word in prosperity is not a child of God. He's, prophet. He's a false prophet. He may have been a child of God, but he's backsliding. Tell them to stop. Because God is against them. That's scripture. Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 10 to 11. Therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them. Because from the least, even to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, 
when there is no peace. Praise the Lord. Have you had this in your churches? Especially in Africa, whenever there's a conflict, don't worry, God is in control. There's peace, there's peace. And I say, let us repent. From the prophet even to the priest, that means from the G.O. even to the pastor, everyone deals falsely. Because they're all given to what? Covetousness. That's why the richest people in Africa are your pastors and your overseers. They are given to covetousness. The reason I want, notice they say, I will give your wives to others and their fees to those who inherit them. Watch. This generation of Christians in Africa, especially, if you are not careful what happened to other churches in many centuries past, will happen. We will come to that shortly, but like I said, this, there's so much to talk about. But just note to yourself that the churches in Africa, especially, are the churches that are being referred to here now. The Western world has already gone, okay? Let's be honest about it. There are only a very few nuggets up here and there. But it's like the whole of Africa is all in darkness. They say you're dead, the cap, dark continent. In all your preaching and teaching is all dark. Parallels between apostasy in Judah and 21st century church apostasy. Please, let me say something, please. I'm not being harsh in my teaching or preaching. I do as I'm led because it hurts to see many being led into Christless eternity. Because people don't want to read their Bibles. Because people don't want to go in their closets and ask God. That's all. I cry in my heart every night. Because I want you to know what I have known. That's why it's out of love. Not for anything else. Please. Jeremiah, prophet of God. He lived in a time that resembles our time. He lived in a kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, surrounded by hostile neighbors. Those of you who are looking for countries in Africa, you have hostile neighbors, but you will not go to God and you think you have what? Good. That's an aside. True believers in Christ today are also surrounded by a hostile world. It may not be very hostile the way that is overt. The hostility is covert. It is, you know, we love you, we love you, but it's a lie. They hate you, they hate you. Jeremiah was hated by the false prophets of his day. Just like if you contend for the gospel, you're hated by the pastors. I have so many people I knew who are pastors who don't like me anymore. Some who used to be my very good friends. Again, that's an aside. But I just want to tell you, so if you fall into that category, don't be afraid. That's the way it's supposed to be. In fact, if they love you, you've got a problem. The man was hated by false prophets, his own people, his own family. Welcome to the club. Priest and aristocracy for his truth telling. You can't be loved by those who want something from you and you can't give them because you fear God. You may not even have what you may have or not. It depends. What you have doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. So if you become a true prophet of God in the 21st century, meaning a preacher, a teacher of the truth, you'll be hated by false pastors, by false Jews, by bishops, by your unbelieving family members because of your truth telling and steadfast following of God. The religious class, prophets, teachers, priests of Judah, were misleading their people. Their actions caused their followers to err. They were teaching human constructed doctrines, claiming the same to be from God. In the same way, many of your pastors and Jews and elders are telling you the same stories, saying it is from God when it's not. When Israel, the northern kingdom, failed to live up to God's standards and be prophet of God to the nations, God removed his lampstand in 722 BC. God allowed Assyrians to carry, to invade, conquer the northern kingdom, and carry the inhabitants toward other lands. When that happened, God wanted Judah, the southern kingdom, to learn from what happened to the northern kingdom. 
He wanted them to turn away from idolatry and be the prophet of God to their what? Neighbors. Jeremiah was one of those prophets God raised to warn the people and contend for his word in the southern kingdom. Next scripture, please. Pay attention to this scripture. Revelations chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Praise the Lord. This was the Lord in the vision to John, the apostle. This is the director to the Fisher Church. Ephesus is where today in Turkey. In the scripture we just read, the Lord Jesus Christ warned his followers, not just the church in Ephesus at the time. Now you remove any church's lampstand when those naming the name of Christ no longer abide in his doctrines. Meaning in countries that say they have Christian churches. If people continue to misbehave, your standard will go and you may become Islamist or whatever else, communist, socialist, doesn't matter. I want you to note something, please. In the New Testament, churches in many communities, remember, since the Lord resurrected and went to the heavens, it's more than 2,000 years. There have been so many church communities from that time to now. In many of those places, especially in North Africa and Asia, there are no more Christian nations there. No more churches even in many places. Wherever there were churches before, some have even been converted into large Islamic cathedrals. So don't pretend that it cannot happen to your country or to your what. Don't pretend. Because God himself will remove the standard. If we continue to encourage apostasy, of course, the final standard will be removed, lampstand will be removed when Christ will come, when the Antichrist will first come and Christ will come. But we're talking about individual nations or countries, especially in Africa. So, all you have to know is from 1st century to 18th century, just go back and read something and find out in North Africa, in fact, the seven churches in Revelation today in Turkey are all what in the Islamic state of what? Turkey. Egypt. Only the Coptic Christians are there and a very few, very significant minority. Why? The churches in those periods failed to be God's prophet to their people groups. They failed to stand up to the powers of the day. They hobnob with the pharaohs and with the kings and the queens. And God removed what? The lampstand as the Lord promised. Even in Russia, communism came. Yes. For many years it was an anti-God state. In China, there were many Christian churches. Today, you have what? A socialist China. I can go on and on and on and on. So don't pretend that that little thing you are doing in your community. You, G.O., you are managing one million, hundred million. You think what will happen after your demise or even now? God will remove your lampstand if you continue to lead these people to error because you are doing no good. You are doing harm. I want you to ask yourself this question. Every one of you listening, hearing my voice, and ask myself the same question all the time. Will there be a Christian church in my neighborhood or country, say, in 100 years' time, if the Lord Jesus Christ has not come? I doubt so for my country of birth. I implore you as you listen and watch this broadcast to weep, and I mean weep, literal weeping, for your local assemblies, for your pastors and teachers and bishops and all those who go by the word reverend. Pray earnestly for them. But do me a favor and do yourself a favor. But above all, God will be happy. Send this broadcast to them, everyone there, either on your WhatsApp the group. Send it to everybody. 
Because you may be saving your life. As you contend for the gospel of Christ. Next topic. A mess item, sorry. We shall use the experience of Jeremiah to alert you to the things you should know as you contend for the gospel once for all delivered to the saints. Number one. Beware of your unbelieving brothers and sisters. They hate you. They don't love you. Scripture, please. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 6. For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called the multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. Praise the Lord. Next one. Whoever contends, that means as you want to contend, you must walk in the old paths, which is, which is the scriptures. Go ahead and read this. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Praise the Lord. Please, these new things that are talking, these ragmatas they do, entertaining you every second and every it is not that's not what it is. Go into the closet and read your Bible. And the Lord God whom I serve will come. He will minister to you. You will continue to walk in his counsel and not in a human being's counsel. Number three, as you contend for the gospel of Christ, I want you to understand that God did not send all those pastors and Jews. Whose prophecies never came to pass. When they say you it's going to be, when it doesn't, then they try to give you one explanation. They tell you about Nineveh, how uh, jo, uh, uh, what they call it, uh, Jonah went there and preached, and God changed his mind. Whoever tells the first, the first, run from that place. I have an example. I don't want to talk about it. Just run. They are just jokers. And that's the best situation. Otherwise, they are working for the devil. There's a reason why Nineveh repented. The people, I mean, God relented. They repented. They were in sackcloth, in ashes, even their king. But when they make those promises, the people change their attitude, no. And then they tell you, no, that God, please, they lie. They're liars. Just keep your place. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 21 and 22. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my council and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Praise the Lord. I want you to know that before they became false prophets in Judah, some of them were good prophets. But you see, they didn't stand in the Lord's council. They didn't see the Lord's face. And they went out to prophesy. And so, that's what happens in most of your churches. They started well, but they couldn't wait. You know, they need to have people know that, yes, for God, that pastor, that Jew, once he says it, they become gods, and God will never put his stamp on such people. They become false that moment. Number four, as you contend for the gospel of Christ, I want you to understand that God is against the following class of prophets, including pastors, Jews. Remember the church is the prophet to the nations. So your pastors, Jews, are everybody, including you and I, if we are preaching the gospel, all prophets to people around us. The next scripture, please. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 30 and 32. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit these people at all, says the Lord. Praise the Lord. No need to go. The words are clear there. Number five. As you contend for the gospel of Christ, don't pay heed to these false prophets, pastors, teachers, Jews in your communities. Don't listen to them. God did not send them. Let's scripture, please. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart. Not from the mouth of the Lord. Next one, please. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy 
and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Praise the Lord, you pastors and Jews. God is saying, Woe to you if you fail to change and stop leading God's people astray. As you contend for the gospel of Christ, understand you are the new covenant of Christ. Shall we read, please? Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Praise the Lord. As you contend for the gospel of Christ, I want you to know that God says he knows you. He knew before your conception. He knew the day you did make the commitment to serve him. He knew when you finally realized what it meant to surrender your life to him, to his son. And this last scripture we read is that confirmation that is now speaking to you. When you go into your closet, he is guiding you and leading you. Because there's Christ now indwelling you. Just the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Father God indwelling you. So as you boldly contend for the gospel of Christ, don't be afraid of anybody. You must, anybody who says he's a believer, challenge the person with the scriptures. Don't accept any extra biblical arguments as you lay down God's position. Because when they have nothing else to do, they bring other things from outside. Don't say, no, I have to. No, if he says he's a child of God or she's a child of God, confront them very boldly and say, I don't care who you are, you may be pastor or Jew, but this is what you're saying is wrong. They are not, uh, we know, brother, sister, you know. Okay. No, you don't dance around it. You tell, if you see someone about to drink poison, are you going to say, well, you know, it might be a mischief. No, you are going to snatch the thing out of their hands. So why can't you do that about those who are taking people to Christ's eternity? So you must challenge anybody who says he or she is a child of God. Tell them, thus says God's word. So where why are you doing ABCD? But with unbelievers, those who have not known the Lord. No, don't do that. You have to use the scriptures prayerfully. Because God will give you the words to speak to them. To draw them in. You cannot go challenging them with the scriptures. No. You have to tell the first to repent that their life, their suffering, their heart, they are having, Christ is able to heal their heart. But they first have to give their lives to Him so that He can do what He wants to do in their lives. So, with unbelievers, be very gentle. No, they're very pray. First, you have to pray, pray a lot. Then gently expose the scriptures to them. When you are, but remember, identify with their problems, identify with their needs. And tell them there's someone who can help them to solve it. And that person is not you, but Lord Jesus Christ. But with unbelievers, give no quarter. Praise the Lord. But let's start again. Something I have to conclude before we, we pray. Personal holiness is never known to effective witnessing. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Personal holiness. If not, they are going to disgrace you like the seven sons of Sceva, right? Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? What is holiness? Holiness is not the same thing as righteousness. No. Holiness is setting yourself apart for God. It's an action on your part when you determine, I separate myself for God. I cut my own black cup with the world. I won't dance to the world anymore. I will do only things that God, that's, that's, that you have, and God will sanctify you. God will accept that separation. That's what he means by sanctification. So, holiness is a determined commitment to serve God, to be with God, and no other. Including your own life. It is about forsaking worldly values 
and embracing kingdom values no matter the cost to you. So it's an action on your part before God will well say, yes, I agree with you. You are separated to me. But righteousness, of course, we know. is that that comes from accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. That righteousness is now imputed to you. That's the reason why you and I will inherit eternal life. Not our works. Praise the Lord. You need to surrender all if you have not done so today. From our teaching and preaching, you must surrender all. That's why I picked this song today by His grace. I surrender all. When you surrender your life, you are in, good, you are in great company. All to Jesus. You and I must surrender. All to Him we must freely give. I will ever love and trust Him and you have to do the same. Otherwise you are not surrendered. And in His presence you daily live in the study of the Word. Prayers and study of the Scriptures. I surrender all and you should. I surrender all and you should. If you really want to see God manifest through you in, in the, the world. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. And I'm encouraging you, inviting you to surrender all to him. Who saved you on the cross. If you have truly believed. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Not a human being. Worldly pleasures all for second. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. Ask the Lord to take you now also. As you made us surrender. Your life most important. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee, and you should do the same. Pray to him to fill you with his love and power. So that his blessings will follow you. Not the blessings you want, but the one of God He gives you is the best. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for surrendering. Thank you for being a faithful God. For being a faithful God. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God. Thank you for this message. Thank you for those who have watched and will watch or that will listen to the podcast. Thank you, our Father and our God, for being God. Open the eyes of all to know that the only way is to surrender all. That to surrender all to you, not any human being. That to surrender their lives completely. That's what it means being born again. That means what it is. To surrender all and allow God now to guide the life. Many don't know this truth, Lord. And pray today that the preaching of this word, Lord, it will go forth to break the yokes and destroy the falsehoods they have heard about. Just surrender and become rich. Or you get this and that. No, you surrender. You don't know what else. The new life that they have, Lord, is the one that you guide. Open their eyes to understand. If they do, I know it will be good for them. I pray for them. I pray for all in this ministry. I pray for all in the World Wide Evangelical Forum that we have on WhatsApp. May your blessings continue to abound to the account, Lord. That blessing which is the one that will take them to eternal life. Not the one that will destroy them because they will not bless them that way. But they may desire, but Lord, you let them know that that's not what you have planned for them. Help them to know whether they have to march through the deserts or whether they have to march through wet grounds. It doesn't matter that you are there with them. That's your word. Help them, Lord, to devote time to study all the scriptures. Help them to know that there is no other way. There is no other way to stop listening to false pastors and false Jehovah's years. And while we are taking Father, I seek to pray, Lord. 
pull them down. They have done enough harm. Especially in Africa. Let them stop. Stop them, my father, my God. There was a time that prophet went and commanded the king and he raised his hand and his arms froze in the air. Because he was ministering not according to your law. Not according to your word. They can't continue using your name, Lord, to deceive so many. Take away their lampstand. But at your church in that community or group may still survive. You are God. You know everything. Confirm your words, Lord. We say signs and wonders in the lives of all. Many are hurting. Many of your children are hurting. Many of your children are hurting. Father, we are praying so that they do not stretch out their hand to touch iniquity. Open their eyes to see the opportunity around them. Let them find succor, Lord. Come to their aid, O oh Lord, because they have no one else but you. So they don't run to the world for help. So they know that their help comes from God. Open their eyes to see what you have prepared for them. Bless them, my Father, my God. Whoever oppresses any of them, Lord, in any place where they walk, Lord, set aside oppressors. I've seen you in action on a personal basis. Let oppressors go. Let your children will breathe good air whenever they walk. Thank you, Father God. Because you are God. You are my God. Let them all know that you are God. They embrace you and embrace the cross. All the praise, glory, my Father, my God, they belong to you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. I plead with you all to study the scriptures. It's very important. And he will help you. I'll see you people next Sunday. By his grace.